you know. I yeah. got to give respect Steve, where respect is due. Stephen A., answer some of your questions. No, I don't. there's not a young quarterback I would take in the NFL over Joe Burrow. I've been on that for three years now. So, no, I don't think Lamar Jackson is better. Um, the, the, the Bengals, I believe, last year were 9-8, and eight, okay? So a good football team in the regular season that got hot at the end of the season. And then, candidly, they went on their Super Bowl run because of the defense, not strictly or on the backs of their offense. Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Debari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. Be sure to check out Expand the Box Score. Use the promo code 40, get four days of free advanced stats. So we have now entered that time of year where the season is not as far away as it actually uh, may seem in the back of your head there, but we're going to be doing our divisional breakdowns. Um, we've, we've whittled this down over the years. We started all 32 teams with 32 guests. We are now doing uh, division by division because 32 teams, 32 guests is a monster. But Walk, how are you? Where you want to start? And let's get into it. Uh, like we discussed before we went live, I am slightly under the weather, but this is going to be my Michael Jordan flu game here where I just give the best fantasy football advice I've ever given in my entire life as I'm blacked out, but you know, a la Will Ferrell in uh old school. Like, huh, what happened? Remember that? He's doing that. Uh, oh, when he gymnastics. was in the neck? No, no, no. When he was doing the gymnastics routine. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. He was debating. And he like totally like you gotta go back. I'm, yes. I'm gonna put that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um and we didn't even mention this is Scott Fishbowl Day. You know? Um so some drafts have started. I told you before we went live, the the proud owner of the 101 in my division is uh, now listed as franchise vacant. So I'm sure Mr. Fish is working through his Rolodex of, what, 10, 20,000 people that didn't get in to the Scott Fish Bowl to bequeath them with the, the opportunity to potentially pick Josh Allen, like you and said, they get, 101. Yeah. And they get huh? to come in there and get the 101. Yeah, not the worst thing in the world, so – We'll be talking about that more as the the weeks go on. But to your point, yeah, it was the labor of love with the th- all 32 where we worked really friggin' hard. And that's when we had like no following. And now it's like we're not doing that shit anymore. And we still have like no <laughs> following. So, you know, eventually we're just going to go. This is who's going to win the Super Bowl this year. That was your divisional previews. Now we'll just get it a redraft. But yeah, knocking it down to, you know, these divisions is likely best. And we're going to try and stay. What do we say within 10 to 15 minutes for each team, which I don't think will be that difficult um, when we get into it. But I'm excited. We're starting AFC and we're using the compass, north, south, east, west. So we are doing the AFC north and the AFC south. And I probably shouldn't have said that because we're breaking that up into two different <laughs> episodes, right? It's just going to say that. All right, well, we're going to leave that in because that's where I'm at. It's my headspace right now. So the AFC north. Yeah, we uh, also said, let's just break it up into two teams each. So we're not talking all over each other, or repeating what the other person said <clears> for the teams. And uh, you flipped a hypothetical coin that has side A and side B on it based upon our uh, email or based upon our text exchange. And you lost. You got B. So as I always do, I go first. So just in alphabetical order. I ended up with the Cincinnati Bengals, um, the lost in the Super Bowl to Matt Stafford and those Los Angeles Rams, Cincinnati Bengals. And 
they made a fair number of off-season additions to try to remedy their ills. And this isn't as fantasy-centric as it is probably team-centric, but it does have value from a fantasy perspective. But three of their largest free agent acquisitions this year were Leal Collins, Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras, or the entire right side of their offensive line because they have right tackle, right guard, and center, respectively, listed on our lads for those three individuals. So the Bengals went and upgraded 60% of their offensive line, and the two individuals on their left side of the line were their first and second round picks over the last two years. So they've made it a focus when it was just a a funhouse before of guys that should be nowhere near starting offensive line for a Super Bowl contending team. So that will help Barrow give him more time. That will then help the wide receivers. That should also help Joe Mixon and company as that O-line was utter garbage. And the fact they made it as far as they did was, was super impressive. They also went and signed Hayden Hurst on a one-year deal when they have a barren tight end room. So Hurst is the clear starter in that offense that made C.J. Uzama Somewhat fantasy viable, um, not on a week-in, week-out basis, but Hurst is a better fantasy tight end than C.J. Uzama is. So I think there's a little value in Hayden Hurst, I think specifically like a Scott Fishbowl type or a redraft league where he's going super late. Getting a wider, getting a tight end on a high-powered offense isn't the worst thing in the world. That was basically what they did in free agency. Um, they already are just stocked with skill position players. So there's not much that they would even do there that would move the needle with both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd in their three wide sets. I mentioned Hayden Hurst. They have Mixon. They didn't add any running backs in free agency or the draft, but they still have Chris Evans and Samaj P. Ryan there. So they're going to be running it back on offense just with a better offensive line, which I think is going to go a long way for their players. And then, They dove into the NFL draft, and they went and got Daxton Hill in the first round, Cam Taylor-Britt, cornerback in the second round, Zachary Carter, edge in the third round, Cordell Volston, who I don't know anything about as a guard in the fourth round, Tyson Tyson Anderson, who is a safety in the fifth round, and then Jeffrey Gunther, who's an edge in the seventh. The only one I want to make note of is Tyson Anderson in the fifth from an IDP perspective. Let's get a 6'2", 209. He's listed as the backup strong safety behind Von Bell right now in our lad's depth chart. And Von Bell is a 2023 free agent, and he also has only a $1 million dead cap in 2022. I really like to pick a Tyson Anderson. A lot of people are going with Daxon Hill, who was a safety in Michigan, but he looks like he's going to play nickel for them. And Tyson Anderson is just prototype strong safety, which is what we're gunning for in uh, in IDP fantasy. So I think there's some value to be had um, with Tyson Anderson. Uh, as far as that is concerned. So pretty, pretty down the, you know, pretty straight and narrow additions for them this year, which I think they addressed what they needed to address. They went and addressed the offensive line in free agency, and then they went and tackled the draft or tackled the defense in the draft. So I think by all accounts, probably a better version of a team that exceeded a lot of people's expectations last year. And since you had me do this, playoff predictor or whatever the heck it was called that you sent me. I went and rung them up for a record of 13 and four this year and the class of the AFC North. Just, just for full disclosure, I'm not too far off. I had them 12 and five. So 
And um, after I got to 13 and four, I was like, I don't, I don't know that I agree with that, but I'm not going back and figuring out where I disagree with that. So that is where they are. I don't know if you had looked on Vegas projected totals to bounce against it. I did not do that yet, but I have to assume that would be an over. Yes. I didn't look at, um, I didn't look at your teams, but I mean, it takes, takes a second here, but um, I, yeah, I, I think they are from a year ago where I thought they sucked even going into the season. I mean, the, the results were on the field. Part of me thinks it's a bit of an overreaction. You know what I mean? Like these teams have a good year and you go, well, boy, maybe they're good. But a lot of times the teams that have an outlier good year come back to earth the following year or teams that have an outlier bad year come back and bounce back and look good the, the following year. So I'm very curious to see if they're – for real. Do you know what I mean? They're either going to win 12 games or they're going to be back to the, you know, seven and 10 Cincy they were used to seeing. Yeah. I mean, what I'm nine and five here is you have 9.5, 9.5. So yeah, that's what I have too. I mean, so they just got the over last year. So likely a little heavy handed. You're 12 and five, probably more like an 11 and six team. But I just don't see a Deshaun Watson list, Cleveland Browns being very competitive. Or no. nor do I see the Pittsburgh Steelers um, being competitive. So they they're going to be battling with um, the Baltimore Ravens uh, for the division in all likelihood. And I just don't see a huge step back. Um, they actually got better as the year went along as they kind of started unleashing Barrow. So I don't think this is a team that's going to go to the Super Bowl and then significantly regress the next year. So I, I nine and a half, I'd take them over there terrible coach i still think that guy sucks i don't care how many games they won win in spite of it's joe barrow man and that's that's what it comes down to yeah well you'd you'd thrown out the name there so i guess i'm up next with the cleveland browns uh who coincidentally don't have a vegas line yet (laughs) for Mm. obvious reasons um cleveland is the talk of the nfl right now for no good reason Um, but we'll start right there with free agency so they Traded for Deshaun Watson. They gave up a first this year, next year, and the following year. So 22, 23, 24 first-round pick. And in those years, a fourth, a third, and a fourth again. So they gave up a lot of draft capital to secure Deshaun Watson, who I've come full circle now. Now I think it doesn't play at all this season. I was I was locked in until like two weeks ago that this guy was not going to even miss a game. But I think the NFL just – more than anything wants to feel like they look good and to, to the fans and stuff. And like the only way they could do that is to really hammer him, even if they they don't find anything actually wrong in their investigation. So I, I now I'm, I'm assuming he's not playing uh, a huge chunk of the game season, if not the whole year. Um, They also traded for Amari Cooper only gave up a fifth and sixth for him. And if Watson isn't there, I'm not, I'm not big on Cooper to begin with, but without Watson, I'm super low on him. Um, other acquisitions they had in free agency, they brought in Jacoby Brissett to be Watson's backup, and now it looks like Brissett's going to be their starter for the year, and several other teams in the NFL have tried that for a season and it has not worked out well for them. Uh, they also brought in Josh Dobbs, so if Watson misses time, Brissett's the starter, and old Josh Dobbs is <laughs> the backup. So if anything happens to Brissett, this team is – 
Josh Dobbs away from the, the fucking giving up that uh, in that trade, what could potentially be the number one pick a year from now. Um, and then they also brought in Jakeem Grant, who's mainly going to be special teams guy, but every once in a while pops on offense. And I think he's probably their wide receiver four, maybe five. So if there's some injuries ahead of him, Grant could end up getting some uh, work in the uh, on the offense. Going to the draft, they went cornerback in round one, defensive end following that. Um, or no, maybe not round one. The first pick, defensive cornerback. Second pick, defensive end. Then for fantasy purposes, uh, third round, 35th pick, they took David Bell out of Purdue, which a lot of people liked, um, especially prior to him shitting the bed at the combine and putting up bad uh, measurables. But on the field, a lot of people, no one's going to argue with his tape. Uh, Also on offense, if you're in a kicker league, and we're talking about Scott Fishbowl, the guy that I'm trying to grab a lot of is uh, Cade York. So they brought in the rookie out of LSU with the only kicker drafted this year. 19th pick of the fourth round. He's actually got some sneaky upside. They cleared the deck for him. I don't think they brought any veterans in. It's pretty much going to be his job. And you think of the kid that was kicking for uh, the Bengals last year, whose name is McPherson. He could have a similar year. And especially if this offense is led by Brissett, you could see it kind of doing enough to get down the field, but sputtering. I, I, I could see York being a real sneaky kicker this year if that's something you're into they also took jerome ford who you and i both liked uh, out of cincinnati in the fifth round um former alabama transfer to cincinnati like the tape don't like the landing spot here being behind nick uh nick chubb and kareem hunt so i don't love that dearness johnson is rumored to possibly be on the outs making ford the number three guy and hunt and chubb have both been known to miss some time so ford could have some sneaky value at the bottom of your roster if some injuries happen above them and as much as we spend time on the draft and knowing depth charts and getting <laughs> familiar with these guys and finding sleepers in the sixth round they drafted someone named mike woods a ride wide receiver out of oklahoma and I swear to you, I had never heard this name until last night when I put this together. <laughs> and and exactly, no one has talked about him, likely for obvious reasons, which is odd, right? Because Oklahoma is a not- noteworthy program. He didn't get scrapped draft capital. I mean, listen, we, we're talking about UDFAs, you know, uh, Justin Ross and the like that yeah. are getting second and third round rookie draft capital. And this dude actually got drafted by a team where there's potentially – Opportunity. I mean, I don't know that there's anything set in stone behind uh, Amari Cooper, right? Like Donovan's People Jones, maybe Anthony Schwartz, maybe, but you know, there could be opportunity for this guy. Yeah. But yeah, I hadn't heard him either. I did see his name, I think, when I was coming through and doing a lot of the same things, you know, looking through wide receivers and stuff, but mm-hmm. it didn't even make me go back and, and look at a guy's tape. And then he also has like a boring name. I mean, listen, coming from someone whose name's Matt Walker, I mean, Mike Woods, really not a needle mover. <laughs> So if you didn't hear him before, you know, getting drafted and whatever round by the Cleveland Browns isn't going to make you go back and check the tape. So, yeah, we mentioned I mentioned to start with that Las Vegas doesn't have a line for the Browns right now. We went through, did their season projection. I'm assuming Watson is not there. I put them at two and 15 and I was I didn't I knew I didn't like them, but I was really surprised it was that low. I mean, I, I love Chubb. I, lo- I I really like Hunt. I think they're great running backs. But if if you're a defensive coordinator and Brissett or Dobbs is the quarterback on a given week, you're going to stop the run. And like I said, I don't. I've never been an Amari Cooper guy. I, I think he's 
a much better NFL wide receiver than fantasy, but I don't know. I mean, are you worried about him with Brissett or Dobbs? And you, you mentioned the guys behind him, Peoples Jones, David Bell, Schwartz, Jakeem Grant, who they brought in. Javon Wims is lingering on this roster. Nobody here is scaring anybody on offense. And, and you know, the joke would be kind of be my sleeper on this team. They, they brought him back on the franchise tag. Then they gave him a big contract. They kicked uh, Austin Hooper to the curb, finally clearing the deck for Njoku, who's been there since he was a first-round pick in 2017. Harrison Bryant is the only backup to him there. Njoku is the only guy I could see having a breakout year just because there's not a lot of talent in this receiving core on this team. So this team, even with Watson, I'm curious what I would have thought of this team with Watson in there. I mean, I I get he's a game-changer, but it's not like – Watson's Texans teams were making deep runs in the playoffs. I think he's got a couple of four and 12s on his record already. So he puts up fantasy points, which is good for us, but it hasn't led to NFL success. And and this feels like a team to me that's really trending backwards. Yeah, I agree. And I, I hadn't intended to read through the schedules, but Think about this for for them, because also I had the Browns, assuming Watson does not play this year as a 2-15 team. Their first four games. You had them 2-15 also? Yeah. Nice. First four games. At Carolina, home versus the Jets, home versus the Steelers, at Atlanta. If they have Deshaun Watson, I have them going 4-0. Sure. In in that. And you and I both have them for two wins the entire year. But then it gets rough. They are home versus the Chargers, home versus the Patriots, at Baltimore, Home versus the Bengals by at Miami at Buffalo, home versus uh, Tampa Bay. Then they're at the Texans, which is one of the wins I had for them. At Bengals, home versus the Ravens, home versus the Saints at Washington at Pittsburgh to end the year. I mean, after those first four, they would have, they'd have a tough run with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's a tough schedule. There were a couple when you went through it. Did you notice a couple of teams that? You were like, man, th- th- <laughs> there were a couple of teams that I wanted to have better things for. But every week I was like, shit, they got a bad matchup. Or or the home road splits were terrible. Like I not spoiler alert, I think Detroit stinks again. But I <laughs> when I went through there, I wanted better for Detroit, but all their winnable games were on the road and all their, their tough matchups mm-hmm. were at home. And Detroit hasn't <laughs> been good on the road in fucking 20 or 30 years. So there were some teams I, I noticed as we went through it really got screwed by the schedule makers, just where their home and road games were or what followed. You know, there was a, another team I can't recall right now, but they went from they had a pretty bad matchup on a Thursday to like going on the road the following thing. You're like, ooh, that's a no team is going to win those two games. Well, yeah, I mean, the double spoiler alert, I, I think, more highly of the Detroit Lions than you do, apparently. But that's that's a couple weeks away once we get into the NFC. But I'm actually yeah. very interested to to hear how that goes. But off of Cleveland, who is likely, I mean, without Sean Watson, it's just it's going to be an abject disaster. I mean, they have a good defense. It's not going to matter. I mean, they're just going to be a bad team. I just think ran down their schedule. Picks. Think about those picks now. Think about how yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a bad trade. Regardless, I mean, this is just a team that's desperate, you know, for relevancy. Yeah, and I guess they thought it was, they got there with Baker when they drafted him first overall a few years ago. But 
they wanted to get to that next echelon. So, you know, they, they mortgaged their future and might, walls might come crashing down on them. But off of the Cleveland Browns on to the Baltimore Ravens. So Ravens were an eight-win team last year. Uh, Lamar Jackson missed a good chunk of the season. I do not have the number in front of me, but we saw far too much backup quarterback play from the Baltimore Ravens last year. And it was just a, a lost season by and large, you know, including losing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards before the season kicked off. So we were forced to watch Devonta Freeman and uh, Latavius Murray carry the load for for the Ravens' rush-based attack that we all want to get pieces of. But who's, who's the guy that played one week that was good for a week and then went back to the practice squad? Uh, <laughs> I should know that. Yeah, me too. He was so good. And I can see his face. He could do no pass blocking at all. Yeah, which came out after the fact, right? He was like thrust in action, looked good carrying the ball, but he was an absolute liability. He's on the Colts now. I can tell you that much. I know that for a fact. Don't remember the guy's name. I know he signed on the Colts. So irrelevant. But speaking of the running back position, the free agent additions, they went and brought in big thighs Mike Davis on a one-year deal, which just seems to make a ton of sense uh, for a team that wants to pound the ball. So bring in a big body back who had – some modicum of success um, playing the Christian McCaffrey role when he was out two years ago, but he didn't look, he looked like a shell of himself. Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams. Tyson. I just going to say, I know it's like a T, but um, that's him. Tyson Williams. Pride of now the Indianapolis Colts practice squad. But um, Mike Davis is likely just some insurance uh, for a team that has been very cryptic in the recovery process of J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, who both had ACLs, but um, Dobbins is also, an, I believe, an MCL as well, which is just a more complex surgery because you only do one at a time. So the rehab is longer, the recovery, you know, it's not as straightforward as a pure ACL. So I expect both of those guys back, but there's also been talk of the pup for those two, <clears throat> which – would suck, but it's only four games now, so it's not the end of the world. Could Mike Davis get them there? If either of those who are on the pup, you got to think they're going to bring someone else in because it's not going to be Justice Hill behind Mike Davis to, to start the year. They'll find another veteran retread or someone that gets cut uh, to, to bolster that rushing attack. But they also went out and got Morgan Moses, signed him to a three-year deal. He's currently listed as the starting right tackle um, for our lads. Third line has been falling apart um, through trades or retirements over the last few years. So it used to be a strength of theirs. Now a little bit of a liability. Um, clearly wanting to try and get back to that rush base attack, um, not only by bringing in Morgan Moses, but then in the draft, uh, they moved around quite a bit as the Ravens do and find value. They went and got Kyle Hamilton, top rated safety in the draft. And then in the first round as well through trading back, they got Tyler Lindenbaum, who is already listed as their starting center. So already upgrading two positions on their offensive line and Moses and Linderbaum. And then they just keep pegging value. David Ajabo tore his ACL um, at the pro day workouts uh, for an edge for them. Fell to the second round was a projected first round pick. D tackle Travis Jones, big body boy felt fell to the third. Perfect for their scheme. Daniel Falele, offensive tackle Jalen armor, Davis quarterback, in the both in the fourth round, and that's not even the fun of the fourth round because they had five fourth round picks after or what six fourth round picks. My apologies, I think. Um, but then they went and got Charlie Kohler, who you and I were both pretty high on, both had him in our top five, if yeah. I recall correctly, from the tight end position. Then Jordan Stout, punter, 
Then also in the fourth round, they got Isaiah Likely, another tight end. And then they finished off Damarian Williams, cornerback. And then in the sixth round, Tyler Beatty. So what this exercise actually did for me is really start to push Isaiah Likely down a little bit more because we already knew they took Charlie Kohler first. But I'm going to be honest, I didn't know they prioritized a punter before <laughs> they went and got Isaiah Likely. So they weren't they – weren't, looking to get a second tight end. I just think when they picked again, I think it was the end of the fourth round or close to they, you know, it's a, it's a position that they prioritize overall. And he was probably a decent value at that point in time, more of the move variety, but this just solidified Charlie Kohler as a tight end. I want late in uh at least rookie drafts with any type of tight end premium and not Isaiah likely, even though I was a fan out of coastal Carolina and then Tyler Beatty. You know, I, I guess I probably should have mentioned him as in the mix for, you know, you know, soaking up some running back touches. If either Dobbins or Edwards starts on the pup, I could see Tyler Beatty getting a little bit of burn. He was a volume back, even though he's undersized at the University of Missouri. So I thought that was a good value add for them. He doesn't really seem to make sense in their scheme, but he was more productive than I would have thought, given his measurables in that Missouri offense. So. Some some obvious additions as well. Very Ravens-esque draft. Yeah. Really trying to get back to the run. They traded away um, Hollywood Brown in the, in the draft to get one of, the, one of those first-round picks. So now Rashad Bateman is their top wide receiver, and that's going to leave the grouping of Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, Tylen Wallace to, to fight for second and third wide receiver status in a low-volume passing attack. So... Outside of Bateman, you probably don't want to touch or I ask, sorry, outside of Bateman and Mark Andrews, you don't want to touch anyone in that passing game. And then hopefully they can get their running game back on track because they are an exciting offense when they do. And then speaking of getting back on track, have you seen Lamar Jackson lately? No, I've, I've heard he's jacked as he swole. Yeah. I mean, I was always shocked at how lanky he was. Like, and yes, he's very elusive and he barely takes big shots, but he was, he was slight for a quarterback just in general. And then for a mobile quarterback, um, you expect them to just, they have to be a little more well-built to, to absorb just the pounding that they're going to take. But yeah, he put on some serious weight um, in the off season. Hopefully it doesn't compromise his wheels at all, but it should help him stay healthier because like again you know, much of a lost season last year because they're going to want him to be running the ball again but this is also coming up on contract time for Lamar Jackson so I'd be interested to see if this is something he really wants to expose himself to if he doesn't get a new deal before the season starts do you really want to keep putting yourself in harm's way um, for for the Ravens if they haven't committed to you yet on, on that long-term deal so that's my two cents on the Ravens as far as records are concerned Ravens, you know, I was talking about how the Browns had a tough schedule. I felt like the Ravens' schedule was cupcakey, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them at 13 and 4. 12 and 5. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't believe that will happen, but I wasn't going to go back and try and fix everything, <laughs> you know, to say, I really think they're like probably an 11 win team. So where am I going to take those two wins from? I did it once. This is what I came up with. I think they're a good team. I think they're a playoff team. Uh, again, I think they're going to be battling with the Bengals to win the division. And they're definitely a playoff team if they can get all those guys back in health and get back to, you know, Ravens football, which is very specific, narrow distribution tree, run based offense. You know who you do and do not want in a Ravens offense. Yeah, it's uh, 
Back to Lamar Jackson. He needs to fire his agent. <laughs> Which yeah. coincidentally is him. LOL. Fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> so to close out the end. Uh, and before we go, the Ravens were nine and a half for a projected total. So again, same projected total as the Bengals, and I have both significantly over. And I have same same for you. Yeah. You had you had them both thirteen and four. I have them both twelve and five, and they both yeah. have the same projection. So we're we're not, we're all on the same page. Um, closing out the AFC North here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, no real trades of notes, uh, but in free agency they did early in the offseason bring in Trubisky when Roethlisberger left. Uh, do, do I love Mitch Trubisky? No. Did I kind of originally like him landing here? Yeah, a bit. I thought maybe going to uh, the Giants and reuniting with Dayball was a better fit for him. Uh, hopefully trying to get some snaps when Daniel Johnson, Daniel Johnson, that doesn't even deserve to have his name said correctly. Yeah. Daniel Jones falters and falls on his face, but this is a good spot for him. I think he plays a, a decent chunk of the early part of the year before they think Kenny Pickett's ready. I, I've seen some people online say that they think Pickett sits the whole year and they put Trubisky out there, but I don't think this is a terrible Steelers team, and I think if they want to be competitive, I, I don't know if Trubisky's the guy to lead them to a deep playoff run. And and, and I don't know if Pickett's that guy either, but I, I, I've seen enough Trubisky to know he's he's okay, but I, I don't know if he's going to be able to fend pick it off given the draft capital they sunk into him they also got uh miles boykin who was released by the aforementioned raiders which uh, raiders ravens i wouldn't be that interested in him except pittsburgh's history of developing wide receivers and boykin was a pretty interesting prospect coming out of notre dame and baltimore as you just mentioned is it is a team that wants to run a little more and not be super pass heavy spread the ball around if boykin can get coached up here he's somebody who if you have a deep deep bench league, I would throw some darts on Boykin and just stash him for a year because a year from now, I, I think everybody agrees Deontay Johnson is going to be out of Pittsburgh. They're not going to pay him the kind of money he's going to want next year. Boykin, somebody who could be a sneaky ascending guy that no one's going to even see coming. Um, and on defense, the defensive side, they brought in Miles Jack from the Jacksonville Jaguars who I always, even coming out of UCLA, I thought that guy was one of the better middle linebackers for fantasy. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I know sometimes people grade these guys out, and guys who suck end up getting a ton of tackles, and that's good for fantasy, and that's fine by me. That's all I'm looking for. But I like Jack in the middle of this offense. I think he's better than Devin Bush, who's their other in, uh, middle linebacker. But I, I, I like him and this team. Uh, all right, what did they do in the draft? First round of the draft, 20th pick. They took Kenny Pickett out of pit. We already mentioned should eventually take over. And he's a player that has really grown on me over the process, just knowing all the facts surrounding it. Like if Pitt, he went to pit, he's been, been, was, was in pit for five years. Pitt shares the same building with the Steelers. The Steelers got a five year look at this kid in advance of this draft. And they thought, yeah, we could waste the first-round pick on him. I think he'll be a good fit here. If that team, with their history of drafting, is comfortable with what they've seen from him, uh, who am I to be like? Kenny Pickett stinks. He's not going to be any good for the Steelers. So I, I actually – he's grown on me quite a bit because I just don't see the Steelers 
taking him specifically with that pick if they don't feel 1,000% comfortable with him being their quarterback of the future. Um, going into the second round, one of my favorite players in this draft, they took George Pickens at the 20th pick of the second round. Pickens is my wide receiver, too, in this class. I think he's got all the potential upside in the world. As long as he gets competent quarterback play, I, I think Pickens will be a fantasy wide receiver one by next year. I think this year he still puts up some fantasy wide receiver two numbers. Took a defensive tackle, then they went back. They actually hit the offensive side of the ball pretty good here in the draft. Calvin Austin, wide receiver out of Memphis with the 33rd pick of the fourth round. So getting a little more depth there at wide receiver. He's probably going to end up being a slot guy uh, a little bit later in his career uh, after this first year when they clear the deck. Because I don't think Claypool's long for this team either. Um, moving on, they took Connor Hayward, tight end out of Michigan State. He's just depth. He's not going to unseat Fairmouth and uh, – even what's his name? Tanner? Zach Gentry? Zach Gentry oh, is, yeah, a, yeah. is their Dynasty backup. Darling. Huh? Dynasty Darling, Zach Gentry. Yeah. Yeah. And he I don't think Gentry's terrible. He's a he's a, a nice tight end too. So he was just filler. They they took a linebacker and then kind of surprising uh seventh round, kind of a, a throwaway pick here. 20th pick out of South Dakota State, a name that I had heard, but I've not seen him once anywhere. Chris Oladokun, another quarterback. So probably just a guy they're going to stash on their practice squad, a developmental guy, but no, no one that you're going to keep on your mind here because they still do have um, Kenny Pickett, who they just drafted, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph is still lingering. So Oladokun is not going to make this team uh, the active roster. He's going to be someone to stash, not to be on your radar at all. The one thing that I thought was interesting about this depth chart I already threw out all the names, but wide receivers. Their starters are Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, right now George Pickens, tight end, Freermuth, running back. A guy who I think might be has a legit shot at RB1 is Najee Harris. They're going to throw the ball to him a ton. He's going to get all the carries. I, I, I love Harris for this year. but And then starter at quarterback, who knows? Pick it, Trubisky, take your pick, but it doesn't matter. So of those offensive skill position guys, this – you think about Baltimore a year ago and how they got just crushed with injuries across every position. If anyone gets hurt on Pittsburgh, this is their second string. Benny Snell, Calvin Austin, Miles Boykin, Anthony Miller, Zach Gentry. I like, I like the Steelers team more than I think most people do, but they're literally two injuries away from fucking dropping seven games straight. They, they, they are, they do not have depth. This is a very top-heavy team, but b- behind their starters, woof, this is bad news. But uh, the Vegas projected total, 7.5. Last year they did win nine games. I have them at a surprising 11-6. and six. Oh, whoa. Okay. I'm glad we ended on the Steelers because there's a whole lot to unpack here. Um Let's just start with I have the Steelers at four and thirteen. Whoa, we are right. way off there. This is interesting. Didn't see that coming. Um, also, Mike Tomlin, fifteen NFL seasons as a head coach, has never had one season under five hundred. Yes. So the odds are very much more in your favor than mine. He also, I'm pretty sure, had Big Ben for the that entire fifteen years, save for 
the one injury season, which correct. Kudos scrapped it together. Um, Kenny Pickett. I do agree. We had that conversation, you know, around rookie draft season about who knows him better than the Steelers. And the answer is no one. They also didn't move to get him. So very Mac Jones esque where it was almost like, well, we like him, but we're, we're we will give yeah. him n- no capital to make sure that we get him. If he's there at our pick, we'll take him because for as much as the NFL showed us how much they hate this draft class, there's a whole lot of smoke and mirrors. So the Steelers couldn't have had really any level of confidence that he was going to be there at what pick 20 for them. So I don't think they're crazy about him. I think they liked him, And at that point they're like, we don't have the quarterback of the future on our team. We just gave Mitch Trubisky a a shitty deal short term. It's clearly not Mason Rudolph. We'll, we'll use this pick and then we'll, we'll see what we have in this kid. We like his upside type thing. I do think he plays significant, uh, a significant amount of games this year. Unlike uh, what you said, just listen to the Steelers start the year, and I just don't know how you got to those wins. At Bengals versus Patriots, at Browns, home versus Jets, at Bills, home versus uh, Buccaneers, at Dolphins, at Eagles going into the bye week. So, that, uh, John, I, I think the only two games you could say there's really no debate is we three and four against Miami. the Browns and the Jets. I'm they could easily lose. Miami SU. But still, at Miami, Steelers do not play well when they go down south, uh, I believe is a uh, historical trend. So I'm going to rely on that, and I am super high on Miami this year. Go to it. But I just I just don't see it coming out of the bye. Saints, Bengals, Colts, before they probably beat up on the Falcons. Then they get Ravens. They probably beat up on the Panthers. Then they get Raiders, Ravens. Browns again? I I don't see the eleven, buddy. I mean, you can you can say you're not high on the Dolphins, but that blew my mind. I thought you were going to be low with them as well. I didn't. I mean, I didn't go into it like with my fingers crossed. Where can I find wins for Pittsburgh? Oh, sure, sure sounds like you did. But <laughs> save that for another time. You also mentioned Nazi Harris. Um, I, I don't disagree. I mean, there's a few guys that are just the clear cut, all touch back. I mean, there's already narratives coming out about how he's not going to play as many snaps. Well, he's going to play the meaningless snaps. Right, he's going to play all the meaningful ones. But his rookie year, he had 307 carries, um, played all 17 games. He also had 94 targets. I mean, and I think a historic like 17 target game one of those weeks. He doesn't scratch that without Big Ben. Trubisky's mobile, and he's going to bring it down and run more when Big Ben was dumping it off to him. And Pickett has some mobility as well. So I just I don't see the RB1 overall upside for Najee Harris this year. He wasn't super effective on a per-touch basis last year, 4.4 yards per touch on his 381 touches. And I just don't think that necessarily he's going to get the same volume that that he did from a year ago. So I think he is an an RB1. I don't really see a world where he can be the RB1. You don't think it's even possible? I mean, anything's possible. Well, but... (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it. Um, I, I don't know that they've made the necessary investments to the offensive line to help him out. Um, I don't think he gets the passing game work that he got a year ago. Um, I don't know. I, there's still no competition. I mean, you 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 mentioned that there's nothing behind him stealing any significant touches, but they invested at the wide receiver position um, as well. And I could see a lot being run through that. I mean, as much as we don't like Claypool 
you know, hopefully he gets his head on straight. Deontay Johnson's there for at least one more year. We're both very high, no one more so than you on George Pickens. And then I do like Calvin Austin as well um, in that offense. And some of those other ancillary pieces, the, the Anthony Millers and Miles Boykins and all, they're good depth. Um, but I do like their, their, they have young upside at the wide receiver position. I just think they're going to be a bad team. I'm not enamored with their defense. I think they got good pieces. You mentioned Miles Jack. I love Miles Jack. Um, have him tons of IDP places. And then they got TJ Watt, but they had little else next year. So I don't know what's going to get fixed. I mean, you can overpay Minka Fitzpatrick as much as you want. That doesn't a good defense make. So, yeah, a lot of times I, I, it wasn't just the Steelers, but other teams too, where I I was looking at the matchups and I was like, "Uh, this could go either way. And a lot of times I ended up going, well, who's got a better coach? And then that's where I I went with that. So I I do like Tomlin. So I know more than one occasion and, and we'll probably see that reflected when uh, we get to new England too, where there were times where I was hemming and hawing about a, a, a game and I just said, eh, I'm going to go with the better coach here. So, they, yeah, they I'm did, with they, you. I mean, like I said, they, they got a little Tomlin bump. He's 15 <laughs> for 15 on 500 plus seasons. So, um, I'm betting against an extensive track record of success. And yeah, I mean, there's few coaches that I would think could rally the troops more than a Mike Tomlin to get the most out of what is kind of the first year of, I don't know, not a rebuild, but a retooling across the board, this would be the year it would happen. And this division too, I, I, again, not, not knowing exactly what I did without printing it out, but there's some divisions that, and I didn't do it on purpose, but I almost do the home and home splits. So I think Pittsburgh has three division wins automatically. I think they, I think all these teams end up more or less going three and three, except for Cleveland who sucks. I'm sure I gave Pittsburgh two wins against Cleveland and probably, one against Cincy, one against Baltimore. So there's there's my four already. Yeah, I mean, I think I had him taking two against uh, the Browns, and then I don't know that I gave him one against Cincy or Baltimore, but I'm, I, I don't disagree with you. You know, I'd be surprised if they didn't split with at least one of those two. It's kind of how those games go. But I think I think I said they play Atlanta. I think I gave him Atlanta, and then I think they had the Jets. I think that's the other game I gave them off the top of my head, if, or, if I recall correctly, the schedule. Um, yeah, they have the Jets. I did give them the Browns. Uh, I, I think I gave them Carolina, and then I gave them the Browns again. I think were the four wins I gave them. Yeah, I, I think cool. it happened. Even with my just looking through the records, and I, I think I end up doing this when we do it every year. But yeah, I, I go very. There's very little parity. There's fucking <laughs> half the teams have twelve or more wins. The other half have four or less. Yeah, listen, I mean, that's how it shook out here for me. I mean, listen, the two teams I had, I both had winning 13 games. The two teams you had, I had winning two and four games respectively. Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah, I did the same, and that's not usually how this division is. It's usually more more clustered, especially the last couple years. So it's it's entirely likely that I'm a little out of bounds here, and yeah, the Steelers probably trend more towards that 500 again. Shouldn't surprise anyone if they end up with a a, a nine and eight season, so he still stays under five hundred because he can't technically be five hundred again, ever in his NFL coaching career. So that's going to be one we're going to have to monitor. So we uh, we we differ a ton as far as to it. Yeah, but that was our AFC North divisional breakdown. It's always a pretty interesting division. Um, there's a lot of fantasy firepower in there. There's a lot of ch- a lot of change. 
I mean, it was unique. This yeah. we went from a Super Bowl loser to a team that had uh, the MVP and Lamar Jackson what two, three years ago to the Big Ben led Steelers that are kind of retooling to the Cleveland Browns who made the biggest splash trade in the history of the league, and then now are dealing with the fallout associated with it. This is a very interesting division. Drama. Um, the North. Yeah, so it's a good start for us. Yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, we got seven more weeks of this coming, so be sure to check back. But for myself, John DeBarry, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and our friends at Expand the Box Score, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Out! <laughs> All right. And this, and then I'll send you another invite in a second. All right. You ended it? No, you said end up it. too old i liked working there i have no desire Ooh. to ever step foot in there as a patron again yeah i mean golf, i would go huh golf clubs greater than nightclubs oh yeah it's just i, I would go back just because i have friends there you know what i mean like <clears throat> the atmosphere is goofy to just go bump into people you know but like to be there to party and like no fucking way Nah, I get a headache. I, I walk in with a headache. I think that story ends for me. It's fucking terrible. Speaking of, I am fucking sick as a dog. So let's have fun with this one. But COVID? <clears throat> no, I tested and it's negative. I just feel like dog shit. But isn't it funny? Like, I told like three people already today, they're like, COVID? Like, it's just like the go to. It's just like, yeah. yeah, that's it. Nope. Just good old fashioned sick. We went camping on Friday night. And it rained all night, and I didn't sleep well, and I just felt weird. And then by Saturday afternoon, I was fucking – the whole head felt like it was cooped up, and I was about to explode. I woke up yesterday a little bit worse, but not terrible. I woke up this morning. <laughs> it was just body ache and all that fun shit. So, Had, had I known you had gotten sick camping, I would not have guessed COVID. There you go. Yes. So, not so out there. Good old fashioned out outdoors cold because I was not properly prepared, which part of the story, my wife decided to pack the three person tent for our one night camp out. And there's four of us and mm-hmm. I'm not a small human being. Well, that's not, it wasn't, I was like, where's the other one? And she's like, I thought that would just be too long to set up. And I was like, you mean the one that we all fit in <laughs> that one? I was like, cause right now I'm sleeping outside. So I run to Walmart and buy another tent. Oh, no. Way closer. We were like 40 minutes away from the house, 15 minutes from a Walmart. I was like, guess I'm going to Walmart. So I walk in, first eight-person tent I see. I grab as I'm walking by. I see another eight-person tent. It has a different name on it. So I grab them both. I walk up to the front. I go, which one's cheaper? It was like Boop. $84, $71. I was like, throw the $84 one off to the side. Let's go. And then, of course, I'm there an hour later than I was supposed to be setting up. <laughs> And it's a tent I've never put together before. So, oh, yeah. Like, totally just blind, right? It's not even the same structure. Like, I could put my other two tents up literally blindfolded at this point. But this one, I'm like, uh, looking at the instructions doing this. But there's Cub Scouts there. It was like a, it was like a church led camp retreat thing at this park. And then they had all Boy Scouts there as well. <laughs> so, the first kid comes up, he's like, Do you need some help? And this kid's like 12 years old. I was like, Nah, I'm good, bud. Appreciate it. But I'll be all right. Next, he comes up, another like teenager. He needs some help. I was like, no, uh, but do you have like a mallet I could use? So he's like, he gives it to me. I was like, all right, I appreciate it. I'll give it back to you when I'm done. 
next guy comes up is like Scoutmaster, and he was like, "You look like you could use some help." I was like, <laughs> I, I, "You guys aren't going to stop coming until I accept <laughs> some, some help." Like this is like what you do. So I was like, "Sure." I turn around. The two little kids from before and one other person are all there. So now it's five, six of us. It was a five. <laughs> five or six people setting this tent up. And I was like, "Listen, guys, I've never set this tent up before. I just bought it." So did you I throw your wife under the bus? Answer. Did you tell huh? why you had? Did you throw your wife under the bus? Tell nah, why you. She walked up it. and she's like, "Oh, what'd you do?" And then she turned right back mm. and left. I was like, "Yes, wise decision." So I'll stay here for this. But the one young Boy Scout was like, "I have a tent just like this." I was like, "Awesome! Tell me how to put it together." And he was not the most outgoing young lad in the world. So he, he literally just didn't tell me anything. After that, he just told me he has the same tent and held stuff for me. As so I was like. Handed it over, put it together, but it was a nightmare. And then it torrentially downpoured all night long, like all night in through the morning. And then I just, like I said, I woke up and I was like, oh, I just don't feel well. This sucks. So that's what I got going on. So I'm excited to talk uh, the AFC North and South. I haven't camped in super shitty weather. I've gotten lucky. I was going to go camping. That was my plan for this week. And then, um, it ended up we we're gonna we we're gonna leave today and come back Wednesday and I was like <sighs> just like you went through, I'm like, do I wanna go through the shit of setting up a campsite for fucking two nights? And I was like, No, I don't. So I so I'm driving up. We're going to Bryce Canyon today and then uh depending when we get there, we'll hang out there and then I, I got a hotel like twenty minutes away. And then we're since since I'm just doing the hotel thing, then I'm driving from Bryce Canyon around to the Grand Canyon for the next day and then come home. So sounds like Bryce. a lot more fun than what I did in the in literally a park in North Wales, Pennsylvania, where it rained the entire time. But I understood her logic, like for setting it up literally for one night. Yeah. The one I do set up, it literally takes like forty five minutes mm-hmm. to set the thing up. It's just you know, you, you have to set it up piece by piece for it to really work or you're just working against yourself. So <clears throat> I understood the logic, but it's just, I'm like, don't ever bring that little tent again. Like that's where we put it in the backyard when the kids just want to like be in a tent outside of our house. I will never sleep in that. I can't sleep in it. So let's just move on. So. That was Friday and then progressively downhill. Now it's Monday and I feel like yeah. Get a whole new podcast, Camping Talk with John and Matt. <laughs> yeah. We got some stories, man. I know you got a lot. I'm just getting into it, but I got some doozies already. Oh, it's a fucking disaster every time. Every single time. 